Hello and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I'm Mayor Greg Fisher. On April 22nd, I presented a budget to the Metro Council for the 11th time. It was the second time I delivered a spending plan with COVID-19 present in our community. But the circumstances, I'm really happy to say, relative to the budget, were very different this time because we have a clear picture of what's ahead, hopefully, with the pandemic seemingly going to be behind us here pretty soon, but that is not anything we should take for granted. But we do have a clearer view to the picture now that vaccines are in our community. There's no question we've got a lot of challenges, but we also have a bit more resources now to deal with the challenges that we've ever had before. This is a $986 million budget that provides a roadmap and a promising and exciting state for our city's future. It's really one of the healthier budgets I've ever been able to produce before. And this budget is designed to accelerate the city's economy, which we're starting to see growths again, uh, defeat the pandemic, have equity throughout all of our practices, and then reimagine public safety. Those are the four major areas of the budget. So we're gonna talk more about those today with our Chief Financial Officer, Daniel Frocht, and our Budget Director, Aaron Jackson. They're with us today to discuss the budget. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Daniel, when you take a look at this budget from a big picture standpoint, and you've done a lot of budgets now, you've been with Metro about 15 years or so. 17th budget. 17th budget. Yeah. What sticks out to you? Uh, well, they're all a little unique, um, but I would say this one uh, is definitely uh, on a road to recovery. It's unique in that, uh, as you said, a year ago, COVID, there was, I think people tend to discount how much uncertainty there was a year ago. We didn't know if we would uh, find a vaccine that would work. We didn't know what level of federal support we would have. Uh, we didn't know how we could use that federal support. Uh, and we really didn't know. I mean, we lost 20 mil more than 20 million jobs uh, across the nation in a very brief time period where heretofore we'd only had about 700,000 weekly job losses at the height of any recession. So imagine, you know, tenfold that uh, coming week after week, the uncertainty. We are uh, in the process of recovery and recovering those jobs and the economy is coming back. So uh, the question is how rapidly we'll come back and how, whether it will go smoothly or whether it will be um, you know, sustained uh, for how long and how aggressively it will come back. But uh, it's a much better budget. Uh, and then if you just go back even pre-COVID, we were in pension cutting re uh, reduction mode. We lost about 500 positions over the last four years. So uh, this is a positive budget, uh, not only in that we're gonna get a chance to look at equity and reimagining public safety and invest in those uh, goals, but also just to see the recovery. Yeah. And Aaron Daniel said something interesting last week when he looks at these past three budgets. You know, one was the pension budget. The second one was the COVID budget. And now this one is coming out of COVID budget. So what are your major observations working on this budget? Uh, well, uh, like you said in, in your opening uh, remarks, this is a, a relatively large budget at $986 million. Um, And, you know, Daniel had already relayed, you know, the focus on equity the uh, focus on racial justice and, and the focus on reimagining re public safety. Uh, so those, those are definitely some of the, uh, the investment areas that, that really stick out to me in this budget. So talk a little bit about the biggest area of investment in our budget. It's always public safety for our budget and any city's budget. So what percentage of our budget, budget does that make up? And then how would you compare, let's say, last year's public safety budget with the changes that we've got coming in this year? Uh, I believe the the, the budget is roughly 60% uh, 
public safety, and it's uh, right along that same uh, 60 plus percent uh, this year uh, relative to last year. And then Daniel, we wanted to make some major statements with reimagining public safety. So while the police department's budget is relatively flat, uh, in, and that's inclusive of the pension increase mm -hmm. and then the collective bargaining increases in compensation, we've created a new concept where we've quadrupled the amount of resources from roughly $5 million to $20 million going into reimagining public safety. So talk to us a little bit about what the concept is behind that and how you see that in this budget. Well, the concept is, uh, just as you quoted in, in your budget address, uh, public safety is about more than police. Uh, health is about more than hospitals. So I think it's seeing a holistic system. You, you reference it as a whole of government, and I think that's accurate. Um, much of some of the violence we've seen has been uh, youth-oriented, and so I think we see investments in the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods and some of our youth programming in the Office of Youth Development. I think that's a good broad approach in addition to uh, maintaining our uh, funding for police, which, we're, uh, which we are. We basically have a, a like number of recruits coming in for how many people we think will be leaving the force at the same time. So this budget really brings alive the concept of putting more funds into intervention and prevention, community mobilization, and getting across the notion that it's not just about enforcement. I mean, some people say, if there's a crime problem, you need more police officers. That's the obvious solution, they'd say. Well, it's not so obvious, and there's no direct correlation between more police and less crime anyway. So we've got to look at these other areas, and we believe it's smarter to invest upfront than, let's say, after the fact. It's a, much easier to invest in making a strong person, let's say, than paying the price of incarceration. So we're hopeful uh, we'll get a lot of good feedback on this from the council and our community and produce a stronger budget in that regard. Uh, Aaron, another area that we wanted to work on with this budget was growing the workforce, workforce skills, in particular the digital workforce. We know artificial intelligence and data science are moving very rapidly in the future, so we invested quite a bit more in workforce in this budget in order to scale our response as a community uh, in that area and that opportunity. Sure. So uh, we, uh, like you said, we have invested uh, quite a bit in in the workforce area. We increased the uh, some works program from 500,000 in the F in the current year FY21 budget to one million dollars. So we've doubled that. We've also uh, invested in Code Louisville, where we uh, currently have $200,000 in the budget. We've increased that to to 500,000. And then, like you mentioned, the the future of work that's uh, also in the budget at $350,000. So there is, uh, like you said, a significant amount of investment in in, our, in that area. So we're optimistic that you know, our designation is a regional hub for future work with Microsoft. We want to continue to accelerate that area. And with that increase in workforce training, obviously people can get into family supporting uh, wages. Another big area of emphasis is equity. And so we want to invest in areas where we could build uh, our black and brown uh, communities, uh, uh, equitable presence in the economy. So several investments made there. Yes. Um we have uh, investments through economic uh, development. We have a $2.7 million fund uh, that's focused on small business assistance. We're adding $1.5 million to the Metco fund, which has been very successful. It's turned its, it's a revolving fund that's turned its uh, funding over quite frequently. I think both will uh, help black and brown businesses and small locally owned businesses. I think we're, as a government, are pivoting towards uh, sourcing locally 
uh, in terms of the three E's of procurement of economy, efficiency, and equity. Uh, heretofore, most governments have been focused a little more on economy and efficiency. What can I get? How quickly can I get it? How cheaply can I get it? I think there's starting to be, rightly so, a more a greater attention to where is it coming from? Are we spending our local tax dollars with our local businesses? Yeah. So it's very an exciting area of the budget because, I mean, sadly, Louisville statistics represent the national statistics, and that is we only have 10% of the black and brown owned businesses that we should have in our city based on their presence uh, of the demographic population of the city. Problem all over America. So that's why we're in, continue to increase in these equitable areas, building capacity in our brown and black communities. And speaking of that, Aaron, we've got a new opportunity. Uh, we've invested in attractive investment of over a billion dollars now in West Louisville. But with some recently passed legislation in Frankfurt, there's an additional opportunity for us now to, to create dollars that will be reinvested back into the community, decided by a community board of West Louisville residents. So talk about that a little bit more, if you would, and how this budget reflects our further commitment to that. So the West End Opportunity Partnership is a, uh, a TIF or a tax increment financing opportunity uh, in West Louisville. Included in this budget is uh, $5 million. So Louisville Metro will, will put in the first $5 million. Uh, then the uh, business community will uh, kick in or fundraise for $10 million, at which point Louisville Metro will, uh, will, will kick in the uh, $5 million, at which point the uh, state will match that with, with the final 10 to get to a $30 million uh, TIF. So what happens then? So we put in the first five as a city, uh, private sector raises 10, we put in the final five to get us to 20, and then the state automatically puts in the 10. Yes. So that $30 million in kind of seed investment for the West End partnership allows them to start operating before they get proceeds from this tax increment financing district. So, so Daniel, we've heard how uh, this was created, this TIF was created, but tell us a little bit how it works and then how it's going to be governed. So it will be governed uh, by the board that's uh, stated in the General Assembly legislation, uh, which is from representatives of the, of the nine West Louisville neighborhoods. Uh, and then in terms of the way the TIF works, uh, the, the I is the incremental taxes that would come about from an investment in a, in a specific geography. And the theory is that as the uh, as there are investments, it will generate more taxes than ordinarily would have been there. Those, uh, that kind of incremental tax will then go towards the board um, to be funded and then to be decided by them uh, how the board, how the funding will be used and appropriated for future investments in West Louisville. So 80% of the additional tax goes to that? Correct. Right. So let's say the tax base grows by uh, $10 million. Eight million of that would go to the West End Opportunity Partnership. They would decide then how those funds would be invested in the community year after year, depending on what the increment is. That's correct. And, and one of the key, key things that's uh, nice about this is that it is a state and local partnership. So that 10 million in growth, it won't all be local tax dollars. It would be a mix of uh, state and local tax dollars. So it's a way that the state's reinvesting. It's a way that uh, the city is reinvesting. Yeah. And in fact, it's better for us here locally because we don't get any of the sales tax uh, that all goes to Frankfurt. So right now, if, if part of that increment is sales tax, that stays in the community. That's correct. So let's talk a little bit about the needs uh, of some of our folks that are most at risk, our homeless community. This, this uh, budget makes a nice investment in our homeless services. Mid-year, you had proposed in the council 
appropriated some funding uh, to address uh, the immediate homeless services, but uh, this continues that investment uh, from mid-year and fully funds for the, the full year for FY22. And then it also, also makes an additional investment. And then we also are investing, not necessarily directly for homeless, but in terms of a, a 911 response, uh, both for deflection um, and to mitigate some of the uh, ambulance usage as well, because not every call to 911 needs necessarily a police or ambulance response. In some instances, uh, it may be a social worker, a health counselor, uh, or something less than an emergency room visit. And that's part of our reimagining public safety budget. It is. If you don't need a police officer to show up, let's send somebody else that's more qualified to do that so the police can really focus on where their services are needed the most. That's correct. It should lift a little bit of the, the call burden off of police as well. And then Aaron, uh, affordable housing. We were able to keep our com uh, continued investment going there. Yeah, so in the current year, FY21, we have $10 million in the capital budget for affordable housing. And uh, we've uh, continued that, com that, uh, that funding level in, in the uh, recommended budget at $10 million. And I was happy too, we were able to make some steps forward with our environmental practices. Uh, this recently concluded negotiation with LG&E, we're transitioning to all LED streetlights over the next uh, five years. So that's one step forward. So we made a couple other steps about the environment in this budget. That's correct. Uh, we continue to shift our fleet uh, over to more hybrids and electric vehicles. Uh, you referenced the executive order. Our procurement team has been working uh, for the greenest option in terms of fleet. And that's in addition to some earlier investments that you had made uh, through uh, public-private partnership with Johnson Controls Inc. where we redid about $27 million worth of building features such as HVACs to become more efficient, window ceilings and so forth uh, to uh, basically reduce our energy footprint. So we've got seemingly a lot of good news in this budget. So. What changed? Because we've been fighting really tough budgets here for many years. Well, I would say a couple things changed. Uh, the, the federal commitment uh, to states and cities, uh, we had an interim uh, legislation that was passed in December, and the fuller American Rescue Plan indicates that there'll be more funding. That funding's not included in this budget, but the idea that there is a backstop to help us with the pandemic uh, immediate pandemic responses and then pandemic-related responses. And the pandemic-related really focuses on equity and social services that uh, would be households who've been affected. They may have lost their jobs, uh, that were supporting the household, they may have difficulty paying the rent or their utilities, they may be food insecure. The idea that we have funding coming that will assist will be a big boost for us. And then the uptick in employment as people more people are vaccinated and the economy opens up, gives us some idea that our, our base revenues will grow a little better uh, than they have. So those are two big changes for us. And then Aaron, as our budget director, you've got to be thinking, okay, we just finished this operating budget and a capital budget, and now we've got this American Rescue Plan money coming to us. We'll receive half of the $430 million around May the 10th or so. We've got a lot of groups that have already focused on where we can get a great return on that. But how's that going to work from a budget standpoint? Are we going to have one total budget of the two combined, or is this a separate budget with the American Rescue Plan? How, how will that work? So we, uh, the plan is to have a separate budget that's, uh, have a budget that's separate from uh, the budget that was just introduced, uh, just presented to, to the council last week. Uh, so there will likely be an amendment to 
either the current year budget or to the, the budget that you presented. And it's quite the opportunity for us when you think about $430 million coming in to the city and we want to make dramatic impact on that and we've pulled together a group with our Build Back Better Together uh, approach, our team there, and we finalize that work for some hopefully breakthrough investments in the city and then our advancing racial equity uh, plan as well. They'll be the guides over all of our B3, all, over all of our American Rescue Plan uh, funding. So we look forward to working with the council on how that all is going to come together. But this is an exciting time for the city right now in terms of budgets, in terms of opportunity. And Daniel, $430 million is a lot of money, no matter how you cut it. But is it going to solve every problem in the city? Uh, no, it, it will not. And, and I think it's worth pointing out, too, that it's, it's good that we have some runway. We have three and a half years to expend the funds. They come in, uh, hopefully in May, the first tranche, and then December 31st of 2024, we need to expend it. So that $430 million, that, that level will have to last three and a half years. We will, of course, have immediate pandemic response needs that we don't normally have. But uh, the scale of the investment that's needed, Louisville is a storied city, uh, which is wonderful, more than a couple hundred years as a city. It also means that some of our sidewalks are older, some of our infrastructure is older. As a merged government, uh, we were merged in 2003. Much of our technology is outdated. Uh, we're at the end of life, of uh, natural end of life of what had been a combined technology effort. So uh, we certainly have the needs in our parks, uh, in our facilities, in our uh, streets and sidewalks, what people would think of as infrastructure. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we need the American Jobs Plan uh, to come about as well, because we need those, those future large investments. Uh, and that, I'm only speaking about the city proper, but if you think about the larger sense of infrastructure for wastewater, uh, for clean water to homes, to, for airports, for railways, uh, for those types of investments that will move the economy, uh, those are in the billions of dollars. MSD certainly has that kind of need. So Aaron, Daniel spoke about deferred maintenance. Some people would say $2 billion worth of deferred maintenance in the city. So while the $430 million is a good start, it's not going to get us all there. But he also mentioned the need to invest in our technology. And we've been making some significant investments over the past year in the city's technology sector. If you could talk a little bit about that and what this budget dedicates to IT. I believe there's a, a roughly $30 million in this budget uh, towards uh, technology efforts. Uh, one is our uh, enterprise resource planning system, which uh, we use for our financial system and our human resources management system, uh, which those are in need of being replaced, so we're working towards that, uh, that now. There's roughly $9 million in for that. We also have uh, funding in, in the technology budget for uh, cybersecurity and some of the, the technological uh, needs within that department that support uh, all of Metro government. And yeah, those investments are so critical because we have to balance our budget every year by law. And unfortunately, we've, we're down about 500 people in our budget over the last several years to break even, most of those through attrition, but technology has been a reason why we've been able to do that. So we got a lot of work to do. And before we get this budget implemented, we go through the, count, the process with the Metro Council. So Daniel, if you could kind of close us out by explaining what that process looks like, how our citizens can get, can get involved with that process, and then what ultimately happens to get this new budget in place on July the 1st, what we call fiscal year 2022. So uh, by state law, you're required to introduce a budget at the last council meeting in April. 
uh, the council then has uh, basically eight weeks until the, their last meeting in June to adopt a budget. Uh, that will be filled with about six weeks of budget hearings, including some public hearings. The uh, chair of the budget committee, uh, Bill Hollander, has done a nice job incorporating uh, some discussions early February and March uh, at his budget meetings uh, for public input uh, in a variety of topics in terms of quality of life, public safety, and some of our infrastructure investments. So uh, they'll have six weeks. They will call uh, departments, the vast majority of departments for Metro government uh, before the budget uh, committee for hearings. Uh, they also provide written questions to uh, the departments and to Aaron and his team, all of which are public and on the record. Uh, and then uh, they will uh, go through that process for about six weeks and then usually the last couple weeks uh, narrows down to some negotiations in terms of how the council would like to structure an amendment uh, to the budget. Usually there's an amendment to both the operating and capital budget uh, before it's voted on. I'd say of the 10 budgets you've had, roughly a, about a 90% uh, vote for the operating and capital budgets has been common. Somewhere between 20 and 25 council members have normally voted for the, the budget uh, once it's amended and moved forward in June. And then, Aaron, just in closing up, uh, capital budget. We've got an operating budget, a capital budget. There's going to be an American Rescue Plan budget. So just talk a little bit about what the capital budget is. Yeah, the capital budget is uh, an opportunity for us to uh, invest in infrastructure uh, throughout metro government. Uh, like you said, there, there's a definitely a need for deferred maintenance, which we have funding. Uh, we've increased funding in this budget relative to uh, the current year budget for uh, deferred, maintenance, deferred maintenance and general repair. Um, we have funding also in the budget for street street paving or yeah street paving and uh, sidewalks. We also have funding in the budget for technology uh, needs throughout the community. Uh, so there's definitely uh, the capital budget is definitely uh, larger than it has been in the past, and that's because you know the needs are are great, but you know we can only uh, do so much with the resources that we have available. So more needs, more resources, about $22 million going into uh, roads and sidewalks together. Uh, and so typically a lot of the capital items, uh, we, we issue bonds to pay for, and then those are paid out over a 10-year to 30-year period, depending on uh, what the actual project is. And one last thing, we got to always keep investing in our parks. We've got a lot of good investments in the parks here, investing in the future of our, of our, our younger citizens. We've got $3 million in here to the Evolve 502 Scholarship Fund, which provides a no restraints post-secondary degree up to a two-year degree or a credential at, at Simmons College or JCTC. So now in the community, everybody that's in JCPS right now, no constraints to getting a post-secondary degree, number one disruptor of poverty. Very proud of our private sector for leading that effort on the Evolve 502, and so the city wants to do its part and kick in as well. So you can expect to learn more about these uh, plans and everything you've heard here today in a couple of our upcoming podcasts. And I thank you for joining the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. Aaron, Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you.